podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. De Bruyne, oh, one mil city! Funnels! And Pogba leaves for McTominay! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable. With your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, he's my rival this weekend, it's Obi Semenya. Uh, why would you register Mustafi but not play Saliba? I don't know, but that is a question for Arsenal fans and Arteta. It definitely is a question for Arsenal fans and Arteta. Our producer Guy Drinkle posed that question last week, and I went hunting. Uh, I went looking for an Arsenal fan and Obi. You heard his name at the beginning of the show. Obi, welcome to the show. Obviously, Arsenal fan. Um, how do you feel about being on the show, first time on the show? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks very much for the invite. I'm a personal fan, so it's great to be here. <laughs> Thanks. Um, obviously, Arsenal season hasn't gone as planned so far this season. And as Guy mentioned there's probably quite a lot of questions with regards to what's going on with Arsenal. And I'm I'm sure we'll get into the meat of that when we speak about um, the game this weekend between Arsenal and Tottenham. But could you just give us a brief like um, idea of how you're finding the season so far? Well, um, the season's going pretty much as expected. Um, I think Arteta's having to deal with a lot, given a club that just does not seem to have a plan, so I guess part of the plan is that plan, but uh, we're only 10 games in, so I don't want to be too indicting of the club, but hopefully we can pick up some points around uh, the turn of Christmas because we're in desperate need right now. Yeah, desperate need indeed. Um, We'll see how it gets on, and as you say, Christmas it's going to come thick and fast over Christmas, so you don't want to lose the reins too much there but um you know obviously Mesut Ozil is a big talking point when it comes to Arsenal and players that aren't in the team um Guy mentioned Saliba but let's talk about players in and around the Premier League that are in their teams and that are making an impact do you have any that have been you know that you've thought are quite in form or have played well so far well I know their form isn't great but I've been impressed with Calvert Lewin uh, pretty much from the beginning, given that I always found him to be a pretty lackluster striker. And given this injection that Everton have found in a manager of the caliber of Ancelotti, I'm really impressed at how he's managed to hold his own, almost in the same vein that Tammy Abram, giving, being given that chance, has managed to solidify uh, that decision quite early on. So that's one name that I would point to quite early. Yeah, he's looked good this season, and he's, I'm sure fantasy owners would have been enjoying his price tag early on. I don't know, as you said, form at the moment, but 
definitely throughout the whole season he's he's had an uplift in performances and i i posed that question intentionally because last week we had our power rankings in terms of teams and this week we're going to have a brand new segment as well uh it's predictable power five so it will be my top five players um currently my power ranking of players so we'll we'll go into that later on in the show but as as we move into the fixtures here is there any fixture that stands out for you is is it an obvious one or is there going to be a surprise one well i i can't think of any big fixtures <laughs> uh at least not ones that i want to watch so um i'm gonna go with west ham united outside of the <laughs> obvious north london derby oh wow yeah uh Definitely the North London derby was one I was thinking of uh, and, and you tried to avoid there. Uh, but yeah, West Ham United could be quite interesting. Both teams coming off, you know, they've got exactly the same form in terms of uh, the the last five fixtures, but one of those has to change, definitely. So it will be interesting. But let's swiftly move into the show uh, our first fixture would have been Aston Villa versus Newcastle unfortunately that game has had to be postponed and the Premier League confirmed that Newcastle will not be for, uh, forfeiting that Premier League fixture against Aston Villa um, Villa were due to host the Magpies at Villa Park on Friday night but an outbreak of COVID-19 at Newcastle has forced the club to close its training ground and applied to the Premier League for the game to be postponed. That appeal was granted by the Premier League, with the organisation confirming that the fixture will now be played at a later date. Are you surprised that it's taken this long to to have something like this where games being postponed because of just the sheer number of people uh, that are affected with an outbreak of uh, coronavirus obviously something that we we don't wish on any team but the mm. reality of the situation i mean we've seen other sporting events be postponed it's it's now what week 10 and mm-hmm. this is the first case in the premier league how how did you see that how did you react to that well yeah in in a way it's actually surprising that we've managed to make it this far without having any serious closing or interruption in the schedule uh so on the one hand, you, you want to applaud the Premier League for that. On the other hand, we're hoping that this is an indicative of something that we're going to see along the season. So hopefully this doesn't happen too often. But I've been surprised at how good A, the response has been, and B, the nature of how few interruptions we've had overall. Yeah, there have been far and few between. Uh, a couple of players here and there in each team. We obviously wish them well and, and hope for a speedy recovery for everyone. And with fans being allowed back in stadiums coming this week, uh, obviously a limited amount and, and within reason and all safety precautions, you assume, are being taken. Do you think that's going to have a factor? Well, I think on performance, yes. I mean, you've seen that just from watching, let alone having played, the impact that it can have on the performance for teams, uh, both home and away, of not having that very visceral impact that we almost take for granted before COVID. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what impact that has, but I'm sure it will be one. Um, And as long as the Premier League handle it in a responsible manner, I think everybody's excited to see fans again, both from watching it at home and being there, and specifically for the players on the pitch, it 
its impact is more than just financial to the clubs. It's also it makes a difference on the pitch. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know that first fixture we mentioned, it's Burnley versus Everton, a Burnley side who haven't looked the same this season, and obviously hoping for a new groove, a turn of events, maybe grinding out a victory against an Everton team who looked really promising and and maybe it's indicative of the form of um, DCL in that they looked really hot uh, coming out of the gate, but it's sort of looked a bit slumpish of late. And I don't know how Burnley can react to that uh, defeat from Man City the other day. I I predicted that it was going to be 5-0 purely because our fantasy group pointed out the fact that that's like the most popular fixture scoreline between Man City and Burnley. I think it's three of the last six fixtures. But um, how do you see Burnley handling this Everton side and and which Everton turns up, really? Yeah, I mean, Everton's form pretty much tells you the story, doesn't it? That they had a whirlwind of a start and they seem to have hit a bit of a stutter. Uh, I don't know how much of that we can attribute to um, injuries or the... The loss of Barkley over this season um, as options, um, but what I do think will will happen is I think we'd all predicted that Burnley might catch a bit of a hammer from City, and that's something that's become pretty much standard season after season. Something about that arrangement just doesn't work out for the Clarets. But them being at home, um, I feel confident about. I mean, Burnley's always a tough team to face, and they're notorious at home. I think that's the new Stoke away. So. We'll see how really we can start to really investigate the resilience of this Ancelotti Everton squad because it's a game that they ought to win, but by no means are going to be given. 100%. And, and in terms of your prediction for this one, obviously your first prediction ever on Tad Predictable, what are you going to go with? For this one, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with a 2 0 Everton win. Wow. Wow, you're not even going to give Burnley a chance here. Not even a goal. <laughs> well, I just think the slump in form from Everton and given that they're starting to trail significantly with a manager of Ancelotti's quality, these are the kinds of games where if they want to be taken seriously as a top six, top four team, uh, they need to stamp an impact. I think Man City giving them the ritual drubbing that they did uh, is the kind of thing that the cash injection that came with this Everton acquisition should speak to. So I think the manager's going to get that across to them, to go that this is the kind of game that um, should be difficult, but we should make easy if, if we have any chance of being considered a top six team. It's, it's a sound argument. And I think Ancelotti, as you said, is probably going to be the difference in this game. He needs Everton to come back out firing and, and really put out a performance that not only is just good to look at, but also results in a win. Because at, at the moment, I've, I've seen some good play from them. Obviously, the loss of Lucas Dinia is, is a massive loss. I thought he, mm-hmm. he was involved in a lot of their creative play, especially down that left-hand side. And if you had him on the left and then you had the creativity of James on the right, it balanced the team out and, and they still need to work those kinks out. But I think this game, I think DCL needs to get back on the scoring train and I think he does in this game. I'm going to go with the 1-0 Everton win and I'm going to give the brave shout. I'm going to say DCL gets a goal in this one as well. I think you can oh, wow. 
I think you can bank that one. He needs it, and I think a lot of people's fantasy teams need it as well. A team doesn't that doesn't necessarily need too many goals, considering how many they hoarded last week. Uh, it's the aforementioned Man City. They take on Fulham, a Fulham side that will be bouncing into this week after what they did um, this past Monday against Leicester City. How do you see this game matching up? I mean, it's probably become more interesting than it was going to be when we looked at it on paper a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Yeah, I mean, when you looked at it on paper a couple of weeks ago, you saw a routine City win, um, as they did over the Clarets. But given that recent win for Fulham and... and, uh, it, it, it gives you a little bit of doubt, especially since City have a bad habit of tending to make difficult those games that ought to be easy and making easy those games that ought to be difficult. So I still want to think that City should handle this comfortably because I just don't think that Fulham have just quite yet the sophistication to handle that sort of depth and that sort of quality, particularly um, when traveling. But you never know. I mean, we, we look at their performance in their last fixture, and it, it leaves that little bit of room for doubt. Plus, City are notorious for their complacency, but I still have to say that, that City have way too much power for this. Yeah, uh, for me, I think it was a great performance from Fulham. They played on the counter-attack beautifully against Leicester City, and surprisingly, it's going to be a similar style of performance they need in this game, in that they're going to have to rely on a counter-attack. City are going to have upwards of 60%, if not 70% of possession in this game. They're going to be passing it around. They're going to need to be disciplined and then try and break on the counterattack and then be really clinical because we know City have a, a, a really good goalkeeper. Maybe their transition defending isn't as great with some of the new players they've brought in still needing to gel. But mm. I think the problem for Fulham in this game is I think City are just going to be more clinical than what Leicester were in that game on Monday. So Mm. as much as I would love to see another performance like that where they get the result as well, I think, as you said, the power of City, the depth of City is just going to be too much. And if if it goes nil-nil late into the game, City always have that strength coming off the bench. And I, I think even if Fulham hold on, I think that's going to be telling as well, just the quality that they can bring on with fresh legs and, and, it's just going to be devastating, too devastating for for Fulham. Um, in terms of your score, I'm going to go with a I'm going to go with a City three 0 win. Uh, and what about yourself? Uh, I pretty much have the same deficit. I go with four one to City. Uh, I just I can see Fulham bouncing and maybe even uh, catching City complacent early on, but like we said, that that, that the sheer firepower alone should be overwhelming. So I go four one. Nice. We'll move on to your fake game of the week because I know you you, <laughs> you you ran away from the the the, the, the North London derby. <laughs> We've got West Ham versus Man United. I teased earlier about their form. Both teams have had three wins, a loss, and a draw in their last five Premier League games. First of all, I find that quite fascinating. And then also, how do you see this game going, considering what happened to Man United last week, how they started and how they ended? And then a West Ham team that, I I don't know if you can call it routine. There was VAR controversy in that game, but a a solid win against a Villa side who started the season well. 
Yeah. Um, as for it being my fake game of the season, it might be, but of the weekend, but it might be, but I still do think that this is going to be a cracker. I think both of them on that form that you mentioned, and given that the fact is going, that that game is going to take place at West Ham, just gives that extra bit of challenge. Uh, United with that great comeback over Southampton, who themselves have been playing well. But United seem to be one of those teams where no matter how well that form goes, at some point something's going to happen. Um, so this one should be really interesting to me because I think West Ham will be buoyed. I think they'll look at it like this is actually one we can win, uh, particularly the chip that I'm sure Moyes must still have and in, in still trying to overcome what seems to be the more damning part of his legacy. Um, this would be a great opportunity for him to to stamp his name back into this Premier League, which uh, I think was put into doubt with that spell. So this will be a great chance for them. Yeah, I, I'd completely forgotten about the Mo- that it's a Moyes derby. Uh, it definitely <laughs> just made the game more interesting for me as well. I, I think for West Ham, they will be hoping that they can repeat the performance from this past Monday. Obviously, you know, key players that they will be hoping for Number one is obviously Mikel Antonio. Whether or not he's going to be able to start this game, I you know, I, I think he's he should be back. He should be back for this game. He wasn't back for. I mean, he was back for Monday's game, but he came off at halftime. And you know, if he's only getting forty-five minutes, you hope that he can do a little bit more. But obviously, if they have to slowly bring him into the team and 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 manage his minutes a bit, um, you hope that he can give a lot in this game because I think without him, it's going to be a really tough ask. And I think in terms of Man United, I, I mentioned last week that Man United, similar to probably the Dallas Cowboys and NFL, they just when things start getting good, they come crashing down again. It seems to be mm-hmm. what they do. And last week, I, I, you know, I probably had a smug face at half time. It was 2-0 down, you know, they're not playing too well. It looks like Southampton are going to blitz them. And, you know, I, I, I thought th- this is true to form. This is exactly what I expected from this game, unfortunately, for Man United fans. But you got to give credit to Oli for all the stick he takes. And, you know, I'm, I'm, mm. I'm a professed lover of Oli purely because I, I don't trust Man United are going to challenge with him in charge, but fair juice to him. I, I got to hold my hand up. I got to take an L for last week and, and hold my hand up and say to turn it around, you know, two nil down away from home. It, it's very easy for them to have just said, okay, this game is lost. Um, we got a big game this week against Paris Saint-Germain. So let's just, we'll forget about this game. Let's focus on the big, you know, money game, so to speak coming up in midweek. But no, they dug deep. They carried on going. They brought on Cavani, who played really well. Bruno Fernandes once again showing up for them. So yeah, well done to Oli. Um, and in terms of predictions for this game, what do you reckon it's going to be? Yeah, uh, this what, that's what makes the prediction really difficult because Oli seems to be getting points where you would you would think Manchester United would typically have dropped them in, in any other season. And he seems to be clinging on and seemed to find almost a second resurgence from this team that at one point seemed to have hit the typical, okay, we're going to start again Manchester United mode. Um, but he seems to have found something that seems to be working. 
Uh, as for West Ham, they're probably one of those teams that will suffer the most from fixtures like this from not having a crowd. I mean, they're the kind of team that would usually pick up quite a bit of pep just purely from the fact that they still see themselves and are an established club at this level. And when they get the opportunity to host the big clubs, they tend to step up. So I think Moyes will still be able to do that, given without the crowd and the particular context of this little Moyes derby. I'm going to, I want to go with the United win, but part of me wants to go 2-2. I want to go 2-2 on this one. Uh, with West Ham probably just finding enough to salvage that point. Is that also so that the form table can can stay similar, so that they have the exact same <laughs> yeah. form table? Is that your thing? Yeah, let's just keep it going. <laughs> just no, until I'm, United collapse, at least. I'm going to break that. I'm going to go with the Man United win in this game. I went with the collapse last week, and <laughs> it kind of happened halfway through. They they. They came back, they clawed back, and they did really well. And I think they carry that momentum into this game. Uh, you, I, I mentioned the PSG game. I, I don't know how that game's going to go. Um, it's obviously going to happen tonight as in terms of time of recording, just for a little behind-the-scenes stuff. But I think United are going to have enough in this game. And especially because it's away from home, there's not going to be that much onus on United to be the attacking team they can play on the counter-attack they can rely on the pace of you know the the Daniel James etc is that probably will feature in a game like this where it's pretty I can pretty much see it being a physical game that they're gonna need to rely on that pace on the Mm counter-attack I'm gonna go with a 2-1 Man United win and I is is it even brave to to call a Bruno Fernandes goal at this point in time I, I don't even think that's worth it I don't think it's brave at all. I think he's just one of those players who you thought, okay, it will fizzle, it will fizzle, it will fizzle. I mean, I thought <laughs> it had a bit of that, um, a, a bit of that spark that I thought that you might have seen from the type of city type purchase. But he seems to be carrying them almost every single match, and at this point, he's probably more representative of United than any other player. In that you're waiting for that crash, and it seems not to be happening. So. Like I said, I think they'll need Michael Antonio, as you're saying, to to be able to. But hopefully that fatigue pulls through and um, West Ham can make a game of it. It will be interesting viewing. It will be interesting viewing. And if you want to guarantee that you'll be viewing this game without any hassles, um, Obi, obviously, we, we had Kalen a couple of weeks ago. He was introduced as Kalen from sunny South Africa. Um and you're also in sunny South Africa. Um, I believe it's sunny there now, is it? It is pretty much. Uh, it's a nice thing about summer. Yeah. And you guys have that amazing DSTV package that Kaylin and I were waxing lyrical about. You get every <laughs> single Premier League game possible. Uh, and you get to pick and choose. And for us, we're not as fortunate, uh, especially now with some fans being allowed in stadiums. I wonder if games will get even less uh, available, but uh, I don't know how they could justify that with only a fraction of fans being available. But in any case, if you want to avoid all that nonsense of which channel it's going to be, we've currently got BT Sport, we've got Sky, we've got Amazon, um, all these different subscribers and, and subscriptions that you have to sign up for just to watch Premier League games or... You could just scrap all that and then sign up to just one thing. And that's getting a VPN package from our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. 
Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, as I mentioned. You can check them out and their services at libertyshield.com. If you go there, very cool website. Just all you have to do is go onto the website, click on the different system you want, whether you want your VPN software, you want a proxy server, and it works out well. I mean, just 10 hours ago, Edward Steed wrote that great service. My email was answered straight away and my problem was sorted. So it's not just an issue of getting it once you got in the product. I don't know how many times where I bought something and then maybe it's not quite linking up well to my own system at home and you just don't hear back from the service providers and they take days on end to to respond to you. That's not the case here. Liberty Shield they work with you. They want you to enjoy your viewing this weekend and, you know, the weekends going going forward. They also offer a 48-hour uh, free trial. So you can see they're really confident in their product. I highly recommend you link up with them, sort out your viewing of Premier League this season, not just Premier League, pretty much anything else you want to watch. Just get that geo-lock sorted pretty much. Um, But we'll move on to... The next game that comes up, Obi, it's Crystal, it's Chelsea versus Leeds United, and this could be a sneaky good game. Am, am I correct in that? It really could because um, Leeds have a fantastic manager. Um, Chelsea have, like we were saying with Olias, a manager who's managed to surprise expectations, or uh, they're doing really well um, up in the log end. Chelsea just one of those teams where you always go, well, they're going to win, aren't they? Um, and they seem to be building some stability here. Um, they've made some really astute early transfers um, that seem to have just bolstered their numbers. But Leeds, again, are that team who are, are methodical and one of those teams that set up for each and every opponent specifically, uh, almost looking for where they can get points where they in all honesty, ought to have none. Yeah, uh, they are very well-drilled team, and they've been really exciting to watch this season. I think this Chelsea side is slowly building up momentum. Um, obviously, they get the draw against Tottenham this past weekend, which considering the form and the performances that Tottenham were putting in, you know, I think both teams at the end of it will have been happy to, to take a draw um, maybe before the game, not so much. But I think, you know, once the game is finished against a, a big team, against a rival, against w what you're hoping, you know, that you're a title challenger and they're looking like title challengers in terms of oppositions, I, th I think they would have been okay with it. But then now you then have to capitalize on that by coming up to, you know, entertaining leads at Stamford Bridge and getting the win, which could prove to be difficult considering this lead side have been quite stubborn this season. Uh, wh what do you what do you reckon for scoreline for this one? Yeah, this one I'm torn because I think this is another one like we were saying about the Everton match that's possibly more about the managers than the team. I mean, you have the inexperienced but yet solid Lampard against uh, probably one of my favorite managers, Marcelo Biesla. So I, I, I want to be able to say that Biesla will find a way to get at least a point out of that game. Um, so I'm not going to go with the Chelsea win, even though it, it is at home for them. Uh, I think this is going to be another 2-2 for me. Okay, yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with the Leeds win because 
I think that would be fun. I allow myself every now and then to just pick up scoreline prediction that I think is just going to be fun. Stats out the window and, and all of that stuff, uh, which I usually rely on a lot in, in other situations. But for this game, I just think, as you said, it, it could go either way. Both managers will be keen to get a win and, and continue the good season starts that they've had. But I just think Leeds could find something in this game and it could be just the oddball result of the of the weekend. I know Chelsea are in really good form and, and they did well in terms of my power rankings last week. But I just think they're going to come unstuck against the Leeds side that looked like they're up for it against the big teams this season. I'm going to go with eighth. Oof. I don't. I I would love to go with a three-two, but I don't know if there are three goals in this lead side. So I'm I'm gonna go. You know what? No, I'm gonna go with a three-two Leeds win. If they're <laughs> oh, gonna wow. win, they're gonna win big. Otherwise, oh, wow. otherwise Chelsea will run away with it. So I I gotta back them going big in this game, and we'll move swiftly along. As I mentioned last week, we had Tad's top five, my EPL top five power rankings for EPL teams. This week, um, it is the predictable power five. This is a top five power rankings of the best five players at the moment, adjusted among other things to, you look at strength of schedule, individual impact, just as I mentioned last year, outright sauciness of specific players. And, (laughs) you know, this is obviously a fluid list. It's not to say this player is on paper the best player in the Premier League. We all know the likes of Kevin De Bruyne and what they offer to the Premier League. I'm just talking in terms of power rankings, in terms of how they're looking right now in this present moment and what impact they're having on their teams and the overall league, I guess. Um, How do you, do you have any five players in mind? I know you mentioned some in the beginning. Are are you eyeing specific players without saying any, because obviously I'm going to reveal mine now, but... Are, are you are you bullish when it comes to stuff like this about who should be the best player, or who should be winning Ballon d'Ors and power rankings and all of that? Well, I feel like um, I think we all have our little idiosyncrasies and our little biases when it comes to how it is that we measure what constitutes uh, the best player or the best players or the most informed players. So, yeah, I, I have a few ideas. Um, uh, none of them are at Arsenal. I can give you that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh no, <laughs> not quite yet. <laughs> that but, is not but short of that, but short of that, yeah. I mean, there are some players who, particularly ones that I've been surprised at how they've adapted to what used to be the most difficult league to just come in cold. To a lot of players have shown that uh, football is slowly becoming more and more globalized, in which uh, there is doesn't seem to be those old stereotypes of which player could make it in this league or that league anymore. That seems to be dying. Yeah, it it it's definitely become a more global game and we'll see how that actually impacts who is on my top five. And without further ado, we will start my top five. As I said, this is my top five and I'm very bullish about my power rankings, as you heard last week. So I'm going to be very bullish in true form for my, my players rating, my predictable power five. And if you've got an alternative list, if you think my list is great tell me that my list was great if you think it was bad tell me it was bad and i will 
dismiss your suggestions <laughs> very very swiftly because I'm, i i don't think i've gone wrong in this I, I actually think i've nailed it quite perfectly if i do say so myself and we will go swiftly with uh the power rankings now and in fifth place is a player that i think i don't know if he's gonna make many people's power rankings i mentioned him last week in terms of the impact i thought he had in a game against Man City where they tried to press him to death in the first 10 minutes. He just spun out of every single press that they tried to set, every trap they tried to set. He was, I thought, the focal point for everything that Spurs did in that game. And he continued to do so in this Chelsea game. Anytime they were going forward, anytime they were creating chances, I thought he was always involved. And that is uh, Tanga Ndombele. He's number five for me on my list. I think he's an awesome player. I can't wait to to watch him play live. Um, obviously, my fiance is a Spurs fan, uh, an avid Spurs fan. So, you know, when I when I, I I do watch them more than probably I used to watch them, and I can't wait to watch him live very soon. Obviously, COVID, all things being correct and and in the right place but he makes my top five he's he comes in at number five maybe it could have been higher but i don't see how i could have justified putting him any higher considering he hasn't necessarily had the end product um that other players on this list have had in recent memory and as i said this is a fluid list it is not like i'm saying it from the beginning of the season because there's some players that people might say should be on this list but i just think their form has tailored off so far this season, but he's he's gotten the assist against Man City and in 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 the Chelsea game. As I said, his impact I thought was quite invaluable, and just the way he plays, the way he's press resistant, the way he's so comfortable in the ball is just a joy to watch for me. He he really is, and considering what happened to him last season, he looked like he was the scapegoat when Mourinho came in. We saw that all or nothing documentary mm. and he seemed to be the scapegoat then as well. And I, I was worried he was going to be leaving Spurs, but um, they stuck with him. He seems to be growing more and more influential in that team. So he comes in at number five. We'll move on to number four. And number four is probably, it's a player that we've mentioned earlier in this podcast. And it's a player that I, I'm sure has endeared himself to Man United fans since January when he came in, it's Bruno Fernandes. I, I don't think it's a surprise uh, that he's on this list for me. He's got seven goals and four assists this season. So I think that alone would, would speak for itself. But just, it's not just seven goals and four assists, is it? It's it's making sure that he's linking that United attack and the defense and the midfield all into one. I, I They've struggled for a couple of years now to get that link between between all the factors of the field. And this is a guy that at one point, maybe not as successfully, but at one point in his career, he played as, as a defensive midfielder. But I think at the moment, him playing in this United position, being allowed the freedom to roam, being allowed to get the shots. Obviously, I think he's a volume player in terms of just he takes shots from everywhere. And, and because he's a talented player, some of them will go in. But I do notice the amount of ones that don't go in because he just he just shoots from everywhere. And I think that's probably why I pegged him down a little bit is just the amount of shots he takes relative to when they do go in. And then obviously you look at the impact he has when it comes to penalties. He's one of those mm. players that if he's on your team, you probably love it. 
you absolutely love the jammy penalties that he does get. If you're an opposition <laughs> fan, you just hate the pay. He goes down so easily. I, I, I don't think that's a controversial thing to say. But at the end of the day, not many people are going to remember that uh, in the distant future. They're just going to remember the fact that Man United won those games. And he's been a really, really key person in, in that. And as I said, being the linchpin for them going forward. In terms of the person that comes in at number three on my list, I, I, I don't know if this is going to be a surprise for many people, but I think just the importance of what he's done when he's been on the pitch, he hasn't been on the pitch too often this season. I mean, at most, he's played 45 minutes this season, but every time he comes on, he seems to do something pretty much. And it's Edison Cavani. Yeah, he's pipped. That's oh. right. He's pipped Bruno Fernandes for me. Because that United game was dead and buried. Uh, 2-0 down, as I said, against Sheffield, against Southampton. You know, staring not only into the, the fact that you're going to be losing this game, but also having to face me in a podcast the following week, you know, bragging about how correct I was about how Man United were going to go in there. I think that alone shocked Oli enough to make the substitution. You see Cavani come in and... We know players coming to the Premier League, some people just don't head it off. Some people struggle. Some people take a while to adapt. But the guys he's a goal scorer. He knows where the goal is, and he's shown that this season. As I said, the most minutes he's played this season is 45 minutes. The other appearances, 32 minutes, 15 minutes, 8 minutes, and 27 sure. minutes so far this season. And that's in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 games. And he's already got 3 goals one assist and causing a lot of problems for defenders. So he comes in, he pips Bruno Fernandes for me just in terms of efficiency. When he comes onto the pitch, he does something. He gets a goal or he influences how the team plays and he makes sure they get a goal. So that's going to be my number three this season. And number two comes as no surprise in terms of the fact that he's on this list. And some may argue that he should be higher for me not this time around maybe we'll when we revisit the the rankings he'll be number one but it's going to be jack Grealish. um one because yeah. he's just saucy on the ball so i mean <laughs> what you you know a player saucy when he's got short socks because he really does <laughs> like no one wears short socks unless they're confident as a footballer you can't it's kind of like the player that used to wear pink boots when everyone in the team wore black boots like if you if you're not saucy and if you're not good, you're gonna get ridiculed. Rather wear the black boots. I think it, we can apply that now to Jack Grealish. You look at players like Daniel Sturridge and stuff that wore the short socks. They knew they were saucy players. They knew they had that confidence, sort of that. It almost borderlines arrogance, but I think because they can back it up, I don't think it's arrogance. Um, it, you know, at that age old saying, it ain't arrogance if you can back it up. And I think Jack Grealish backs it up in spades. He makes it at number two in my list. As I said, um, in terms of sauciness, obviously, in terms of just being the most fouled player in the Premier League, I think he's taken that mantle from Eden Hazard, uh, who's gone on to not do so much in Real Madrid, but he's gone on out the league. Jack Grealish has stepped in. The fact he's still playing for Aston Villa, I think is probably... A surprise not only to, to Aston Villa fans, I think it's a happy surprise for them, but maybe a surprise for other teams' fans. I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at a team that that needs a creative player, uh, that, that <laughs> that's not getting too many goals this season. I'm thinking 
could Jack Grealish do a job there? But you know what? You didn't do anything about it. You left him there. That's on you. Aston Villa fans, you can cheer about it. You can celebrate him. Enjoy him. Enjoy having him in your team. Enjoy the fact that he's got five goals this season. Enjoy the fact that he's got six assists this season. Enjoy the fact that he absolutely destroyed Liverpool. I mean, two goals, three assists alone in that Liverpool game. Uh, not many people come into games against Liverpool and just absolutely rinse us the way Aston Villa did in that game. And I think a lot of that had to do with Jack Grealish and his influence over the team. Obviously, I like the signing of um, Barkley coming into this year. I think he's helped take away some of um, the creative burden that Grealish has and also take Definitely. away some of the uh, attention that defenders would have had on Grealish. If you, look, if, if you're going to go and man-mark Grealish and, and try and take him out the game... If Barkley steps up, that's a whole nother problem. And and I think that's just allowed Grealish even more freedom to go out there, express himself, obviously take the hits, as I said, most foul play in the Premier League. I think he's a well worth justified number two for the list. And that leaves us, drum roll please, to the number one on our list. It's JWP, James Ward-Prowse. Oh, wow. Have you seen this guy take a set piece? Like, is there anyone? It's borderline takes... a penalty at this point. At this point, it's borderline a penalty. I, I've not seen a sexier motion when taking a, a set piece <laughs> than his. The way he takes corners, like to hit the ball as hard as he hits it and have the whip. Defenders just need to put a head on it. They don't need to put any power towards it. They just need to get contact on it, and it's going in the net. It's a perfect ball to attack. It reminds any... me actually of those early Ericsson deliveries, where 100%. defenders just don't know what to do with that. Hundred percent. And Ericsson's out the league now. And how dare you interrupt me middle of my <laughs> waxing lyrical of James Ward Pratt now, Jakey? But seriously, I'm, I'm absolutely loving his performances this season. He's taken the captain's armband, if I'm not mistaken, this season as well. And yeah. just he looks like someone that's enjoying that extra responsibility, enjoying being in that midfield for Southampton. He was someone that sometimes will be put on the right wing, sometimes will, just a utility player. But no, Hasenhutu has looked at him. He said, you're going to be the man for this team in terms of the heart of that midfield. And he stepped up and I've thoroughly enjoyed him this season. As I said, the set pieces have been insane, not just the corners, but you mentioned the free kicks as well. It's basically like giving him a penalty at this moment in time. Mm. If you had said at the beginning of the season, 10 games in, he would have four goals, two assists to his name. I would say on paper, it's possible because of how good he is in set pieces. But for him to actually now start doing it on the pitch is massive for Southampton. So he takes the inaugural number one spot for my power rankings and and, and that will end the predictable power five. How, how do you think I did? Obviously, I uh, absolutely nailed it, right? <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Um, yeah, yeah, actually, I have to agree with you for most of this list, um, particularly most. on those set pieces. For most, not yes, most. for most. I'll just run yes, that list most. again. It was Ndombele I appreciate you leaving any Spurs players except for Ndombele, whom I did have to agree with you, was done hard by last season, so I'm happy for him. 100%. I'll, I'll run through that list again. It was Ndombele at five, Bruno Fernandes at four, Edison Cavani storming in at number three, Jack Grealish sliding his way into number two, and James Ward-Prowse putting it on a postage stamp, getting that number one spot. We'll move on to the fixture that um, 
is next in the Premier League this season. It would be West Brom versus Crystal Palace. I don't know if this game is going to be too exciting, man. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I'm I'm looking at the fact that Zaha is still doubtful for this game. Yeah. And I'm wondering where's the spark from either team going to come. I know Vill- I know West Brom got the win this past weekend. Um can they continue that form? Can can they get another W or do these teams cancel each other out? I mean, it was a win against Sheffield United who themselves have struggled this season. How do you see both teams handling this fixture? I mean, it's one of those games, isn't it, where you just wonder where the creativity is going to come from, where the effectiveness is going to come from, where you look at it on paper and you say, well, if Wilfred Zaha is not playing, uh, it's not really worth watching, is it? But um, we'll see. We might be surprised there, but I think this one might be a bit of a drag in terms of uh, creativity. But otherwise, relatively solid teams. Palace needing the win, obviously, a little bit more on the form. Um, but yeah, let's just hope that they manage to get Zaha to some sort of playing level because I just don't see how Palace get that win without him. It will be tough sledding without him for sure. I'm going to go and jump ahead of you here because I, I have a feeling you might take the scoreline. So I'm going to quickly slide in here. Uh, I'm <laughs> going to go with a nil-nil. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I can't fight you on that. I just cannot see where the creativity comes from. Um, I'd have to go with a nil-nil or, or an edge win, so just so that I can I can break away a little bit. I'll go with the West Brom 1-0 win. Ooh, back-to-back wins for West Brom. I'm sure their fans will be absolutely loving you for that prediction. Fans that are not necessarily maybe loving their team's performances this season so far, it's Sheffield United hosting a Leicester side whose fans would have been absolutely livid after that performance against Fulham this past Monday. Both teams coming into this one, well, Sheffield United just losses all over their form table. Leicester, Mm. it's back-to-back losses. Uh, Someone's going to win this game, right? Well, someone someone has to because uh, neither team can really afford to just be complacent here uh sheffield for obvious reasons i mean with that horrendous form log and being at home and leicester will have something to prove because yeah uh they'll be angry about that fulham loss but this is back-to-back losses for them so um they'll need to pick up um a win on their travels here particularly to a team like sheffield that's that's struggling so this this has all the ingredients for an exciting match even though on paper it shouldn't be it really, really shouldn't be. So, what score are you going with for this? For this game, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a three-one to Leicester. Yep, three-one to Leicester. I look. I I would love nothing more than for Sheffield United to finally get you know that W. I would love nothing more than for Rian Brewster to get on that score sheet. But it, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. I'm, I'm really rooting for them. My heart is saying like a, 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 a 2-1 Sheffield United win. But I'm going to have to go with my head in this one. And I'm going to go for a 2-0 Leicester win. I, I don't see how Sheffield United get on the score sheet in this game. And I think Leicester need a response. Their fans will be demanding a response. Brendan Rodgers will be demanding a response and I'm sure the players will be demanding a response from each other in this game. So I, I can see a 2-0 win 
for Leicester in this one. And finally, finally, we move on to the game of the to weekend. Liverpool Wolves, right? No, 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 no. We're not going to skip it. We're not going to skip it. It's the North London derby, Tottenham versus Arsenal. <laughs> Dare I say, how are you feeling about this game? Um, I mean, it's it's always difficult to travel to Spurs. Um, now you add into the mix Mourinho, who seems to have calculated how to beat Arsenal almost to a science. Um, with the form that Arsenal are in, uh, and how Spurs are playing this season, everything wants to tell you it's impossible for Arsenal to get anything out of this game. Uh, but then, once again, it's a North London derby. Something seems to happen where that, that rivalry tends to boil over, the blood keeps going, and you you never want to be the person who predicts this game. But but tell me, like, usually when Arsenal were the team that were on top, and, and they were the dominant team in North London, everyone always spoke about how the form table goes out the window, and they always gave Spurs that, derby chance that you never know it's a derby they could get the win how come i'm not getting that feeling for arsenal from pretty much anywhere well i think because um we've we've gone so long outside of the regime that was wenger and i think it's impossible to talk about this fixture without him to say that in fact him being out the window has completely disrupted what the little semblance of consistency that we get from a fixture like this. Um, I think that experience being missing, um, coupled with the experience that Mourinho has in games like this and against a team like Arsenal, just immediately dislodges what used to be the magic of this match. And it, it, it kind of tilts the scales awkwardly in Spurs' favor. Yeah, it, it's, it's a tough one. Um, I I don't want this to skew your rating, you know, the, the, the more you speak about it, and I hope it doesn't. But could you share for us, um, obviously I mentioned, we wanted to get an Arsenal fan on today just to, what's going on at Arsenal this season? We Like, I've, I've had so many people that were curious, that were following up from what Guy said last week that, you know, he, he couldn't tell you. I thought, well, let's bring someone on that can. Well, funny enough, I think Arsenal is suffering from something that, ironically, who won't be playing this weekend, Newcastle fans will tell you about, and that's the presence of uh, a less than competent or even worse, apathetic owner, which um, Arsenal seem to be struggling to develop some sort of consistency in its structure. And I think Mikel Arteta, although ambitious and uh, talented and somewhat experienced given where he comes from is finding himself in the chasm that is the politics of Arsenal Football Club. I think it reverberates all the way from the transfers down to the pitch and nothing probably embodies this club more than the fact that you have a 42.5 million pound Mesut or who cannot make a team for a team that can barely scrape a win says something that Arsenal's troubles have a lot more to do with who's off the pitch than who's on it. I don't think I could have said it better myself. And with all that doom and gloom, I'm going to have to <laughs> ask you to give us a score prediction for this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the coronavirus cancellation, hopefully. Oh. Uh, this, is, this is the one time I'm going to hope that 
look, I hope nobody catches this. <laughs> I think otherwise I can see nothing short of a 3-0 win for Spurs. Oh. I think that's what I'm going to go with. Um, my heart really wants to see an upset. And I, but the loss of Nicholas Pepe is just too much. It, it, it immediately nullifies what seems to be the only gambit that Arsenal might have had, in which they would struggle to deal with him. Um, him not being eligible for this match, coupled with the overall mood in the club, coupled with the, the travels and everything else, just puts this, for me, out of reach. Wow. Did you say 3-0? 3-0 to Spurs. Oh, man. You know what? I'm going to be the Arsenal fan of this podcast. I'm going <laughs> to say the form book goes out the window. Come on, the Gunners. <laughs> North London is red. I'm going to go with a surprise 2-1 Arsenal win. And I'll tell you why. It's because everybody says Arsenal are going to lose this game. And <laughs> I, I think I said that a bit too loud because I heard the door opening <laughs> around the end <laughs> Yeah, so I, I'm going to whisper the fact that it's a 2-1 Arsenal win that I'm going to go. And I'm going to quickly move on because it is <laughs> Liverpool versus Wolves in the next game. Obviously, this is going to be the Diogo Jota derby. And mm. I would be very surprised if he doesn't start this game. Um, obviously, you know, Klopp's been in the news for complaining about the just fixture congestion the amount of minutes players are being asked to play, not just club level, but international level as well. We saw on Monday Night Football on Sky, uh, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher talking about it, and Gary Neville really pretty much rubbishing the the Klopp complaints. Uh, for me, I'll just say one thing in the sense that sports science has come a long way since Gary Neville was playing, and it's become a big <laughs> fixture, I think, for for just teams in general, especially at Liverpool. I think they've embraced not just analytics, um, but also sports science. and Technology and, in general. <laughs> yeah, actually. just technology in general. And I think, you know, player load is a big factor and it is a big concern for Liverpool at the moment. The one thing that irritates me, though, is Klopp needs to pick a struggle. You can't be complaining that your players are, you know, fatigued and getting too many fixtures. And then you go play Ajax in the Champions League and you only use two of the five substitutions you're allowed. Like, dude, come on. You, you can't you, you can't have it both ways. Uh, Robertson took a knock early in the game. They had to strap up his ankle. He plays a whole 90 minutes. Meanwhile, you've got a left back on the bench, Simikas, who you bought in this summer specifically to try and you know, take some of those minutes, not necessarily away from Robertson, but just to give him a bit of a break. And then Robertson plays 90 minutes. Uh, for me, <laughs> that just disqualifies Klopp's argument because I was backing him. I thought he was correct. I thought the fixtures are coming too thick and fast. We've seen the injuries that have happened uh, so far this season. A lot of them non-contact injuries, which obviously evidences the fact they're talking about the the load that's being put on these players. And I think him and Pep have hit the nail on the head in terms of that. But then both him and Pep didn't use their five subs this past uh, Champions League yeah. uh, game week. And I, I, I just have to laugh at that and, and, and be absolutely confused as to why they'll do that. But anyway, we move on to the, the Jota derby. I think Liverpool will be bouncing into this one just off qualifying for um, the next round of the Champions League. I think it gives... Hopefully, you, you never know with Klopp, but hopefully it means it gives his players at least a week's rest 
for some of the the starter players you'd imagine and 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 get them that rest that he's been crying for for so long so i think this game he says to his players look go out there play hard you know you're going to have a week's rest uh, type of mentality and and they go and they do the job I, i'm definitely going to bank in a diogo jota goal and you know wolves haven't been playing well this season i, I know that's not something an arsenal fan wants to hear after what happened last week but i'm going to go with a 3-1 liverpool win i, I think liverpool carry on the, the good form that they've had this season and I'm going to say Diogo Jota gets a goal. I, I don't see Liverpool keeping a clean sheet. I, I just don't trust Liverpool to keep clean sheets, even though I say that after they've just kept a clean sheet against an Ajax side who, I think Liverpool are the only side they haven't scored against this season. But I, I just don't trust them to keep a clean sheet, really. Um, how do you see this game go? Yeah, um, I, I have to agree with you. I think this Jota derby uh, has everything written in it. Liverpool's favorite being at home, as well as the fact that probably despite how extensive Liverpool's injury list is, the most significant injury on there might actually be that 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 head injury to Raul Jimenez in the Arsenal game. Uh, it just takes a huge sting out for Wolves, who now have to travel after having another big game shortly before. So I have to then go with the Liverpool win as well. Uh, I'm actually going to reverse the favor that you gave us in the North London W and say that <laughs> Liverpool win 2-0. And say defensively, I just don't see Wolves having the bite that they're going to need um, to get through Anfield. Interesting. And in closing, I'll just say, I think because Allison is injured for me is is why I'm giving that one goal specifically. Um, mm. and, and, and I know Kelleher did well in midweek, but I... I don't know. Maybe you you be the optimist. You be the optimist. Give us a clean sheet. I certainly <laughs> won't be putting a Liverpool player in my fantasy team from a defensive perspective. <laughs> but a team that oh, we 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 end the fixtures this weekend. I think with a game that's going to be a delight to watch, especially for the neutrals. Maybe not so much for their fans because it's going to be end to end. But it's a free flowing, happy Brighton side who. Obviously, we've mentioned so far this this season they they haven't necessarily gotten the results that I think their performances have deserved. But um, you know, I mean, last week they get the one one against Liverpool. I, th- I think it, most teams would take a, a draw against Liverpool with the way that they came into this. I suppose this season, if you want to say, oh, I, I, I. By the way, I ignore the last like five six games that Liverpool played last season just purely because that, they, those guys were on the beach or were hung over or whatever for, for most of those games. So I think Brighton, beautiful football, coming up against Southampton, who also are playing beautiful football at the moment. Danny Ings is still doubtful for this game with that knee injury, but they've shown in past games, especially their first time against Man United, that they've got enough this season. They've, 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 They've brought something out of Theo Walcott I, I thought was long gone. And of course, they've got the number one player in the Premier League at the moment, James Walcott. <laughs> According to a very special podcast, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, this one's, um, this one's another one where um, I'm actually going to go counter to what it might look like. And I'm going to say that I'm going to go nil-nil in this game. Oh, um, wow. Even even though it, it on paper looks like there should be goals in this, I just think 
Brighton have, yeah, they've only won one in their last five, but they've also only lost one. So um, they're they're an organized bunch. Uh, Southampton, who are catching a, a rain of form, they're having to travel now after having dropped what should have been uh, three very, very big points. Uh, I want to say that Brighton have been lost more than once in those last five games for a reason. And I think they're going to be difficult to break down, but I think they're going to find Southampton equally. So, so um, I think Southampton, after shipping three at home, are going to are going to tighten up a bit, and I think Brighton are going to look not to concede rather than to score. So, I think they've had three draws for a reason, and I see another one t- coming this weekend. I also see a draw coming this weekend, but I'm going to go with a two-two. I I just think this oh. game is it it's built for excitement for me. Um, as mm-hmm. I said, both sides like to play football, and I think both sides will give each other the opportunity to play football, especially Southampton, who will be happy to take the game on the counter-attack. As we mentioned, mm-hmm. the set-pieces from JWP are always dangerous, and, and it's becoming more of a feature now. And this is a Brighton side who, even in that Liverpool game, they've shown, as you said, they're very organized team now. They play beautiful football. But I think with the likes of Mope, you got the Trossards in there, um, Danny Welbeck looking to come back onto form. I think they've got enough to get some goals in this game and, and bother Southampton a little bit. And I think Southampton maybe will be suffering slightly from that, that heartbreaking 3-2 loss to Man United when everything was all rosy and, and then to collapse like that. I, I think maybe Brighton could take advantage of that and if you want to take advantage of a great opportunity, I mentioned them before, I highly recommend you go on to libertyshield.com and you link up with our presenting sponsors. This podcast is presented by eplindex.com in association with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. That's going to do it for this episode of A Tad Predictable. Obi, do you have anything you want to plug, put over or promote before we wrap it up? Well, no, thank you very much for having me. I mean, obviously, you'll find my Twitter at, at John Empire SA, but thank you so much for having me. It's been uh, pretty much everything but predictable, but let's see how the weekend goes. <laughs> we'll see how the weekend goes. Uh, before we get to the weekend, if you guys, you know, from my end, if you guys want to check out some English Premier League content, I recommend you go to EPL Index website. That's eplindex.com. We have match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, and all the news that you could wish for. Um, I'm sure people will be gearing up as well with fans now being allowed somewhat in stadiums this weekend. It should be an exciting time. Um, Of course, there's the daily podcast show, the Two-Footer Podcast with Dave Hendrick. Um, And then finally, you can check out the flagship show. It runs weekly. It's the EPL Roundtable where Kev DeVries sits down with the panelists from respective EPL teams. They do reviewing and previewing of the happening around the league and and do um, specific questions related to those pundits' specific teams. I know this week they were talking a lot about the concussion protocol in the Premier League, so that was a really fascinating uh, listen. If, If you haven't checked that out, I highly recommend especially that segment, but listen to everything else. It was really good. Uh, you can follow this show on the Twitter page, ATAD Predictable, and follow EPL Index at EPL Index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPL Index on your podcast channel, on your podcast providers. Give us five stars if you feel so inclined. Leave some positive comments. That stuff really, really helps us out. I've been Tiriwa Chanakira. 
You can find me on Twitter at Tad Predicts. The lovely lady that does our guest intros and happens to be, she's top of her fantasy league at the moment. And um, I think she's like 90 points ahead and she started a week late or something ridiculous like that. She's at Spursy141. Our producer behind the glass, Guy Drinkle, he's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. He's been Obi Semenya at John Empire SA. And remember, that's correct. Chisinga Perry, Chinoshura. Sports Social Podcast Network.